0: Hello and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter, first episode of our new podcast series. I'm Russell and this is Rebecca. Hello Rebecca. Hi Dad. How are you?
1: Not too bad. Excited to start and see what what new facts you've got for me this week.
0: So you've had enough time to listen to all the uh, songs we set last week?
1: Yeah, let's just say my route to work and the way that I the way that I go to work um has changed a lot it's a lot more 80s than what I usually listen to so definitely different but I've managed it's been quite nice but it's been a nice different
0: good right let's talk music then so i suppose the first thing to do is from last week where i gave you the first four artists craftwork omd visage and ultravox for you to listen and watch is if you start with telling us your most liked song of each artist
1: so i won't give too much away of what i think of them yet um but i'll just give you the um song name so for Craftwork, it was the model for omd was locomotion for visage it was the damned don't cry and for ultravox was vienna interesting
0: course, the model is probably Kraftwerk's most known song omd locomotion that's that yeah no that that's good because obviously you're listening to it from not in being in the 80s not having a clue what their hits are or anything so that's an interesting one visage the damn don't cry actually is my favorite one and ultravox vienna so just so you know, out of all the all the those four um artists I gave you, for the eighties I only gave you the songs from the eighties to listen to, there was one number one.
1: Out of my favourite one.
0: No, out of all of them.
1: Oh really? Shall I take a guess?
0: So we'll see if you've actually chosen it. Yeah, if you if you can guess now if out of your four, if you think one of those were number one.
1: Either, so I think it's going to be an Ultravox one. that's the number one. Okay. That was the hardest for me to choose a favorite, because I liked quite a, thr- a few of theirs. I don't think it's going to be any of the um and I don't think it's going to be any of craft work, but I would go with either dancing with tears in my eyes, or Vienna or Sleepwalk. Now they're all, all Ultravox. But like I say, I think they're the ones that probably did better. Out of all of them, they're the ones that I think would have done better.
0: Okay. So, so and as you've gone for Vienna as your favourite song of theirs, we're looking at Vienna for being number one. Okay? Okay. Okay. What I just want to quickly say is there is an album that I absolutely, it's like the Bible for me. It's called It's Electric. Um not only did I buy it on cassette, but then when they come out on CD I upgraded it. But all those four artists appear on this album. Okay. And I'll tell you the songs that they that that represent them on here. So these are probably the most commercial song. I'm not saying that they were their biggest hits, but they're most commercial. Okay. So track number two, The Model by CraftWork. Track number five, Fade to Grey by Visage. Track number six, Enola Gay, by Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, or OMD. And then the last track, number 19, Ultravox, Vienna. Okay, so they are the the four. So you've picked two of those, the model and Vienna. But OMD, as I say, was Enola Gay, and Visage Fade to Grey was the two commercials. So, if we move on then and find out what you what you've um learned or what your overall of e of the songs," you'd have to go through each song um unless you want to. um but we'd we'd just go as a as a overall and um what you think of of each group's music, I suppose, and style and if you you know, from the videos. So we'll start with craft work. So do you want to go through what you've learned or what you thought of Craftworks' music?
1: Yeah, so I just went with my overall opinion. Obviously, I've not done, I've not done any research because that's all coming from you. I didn't want to step on your toes or find anything out that changes my opinion. I've literally just gone listening to the songs on my way to work and way back and for different things um, and written them down. So I've done it as a whole of what I thought of Kraftwerk as a whole i've not done individual songs um didn't as much enjoy craft work i felt like it was very electronic and the focus was a lot on the instrumental and um, so it weren't really something that appealed to me so they're ones that i've not gone back to listen to as much and i thought whenever there was any lyrics the artist came across as very quiet but i do think that songs t- like told a story when there was lyrics and i found that in the video that you sent me to watch the model could see a storyline throughout it going off the video i got i don't know why but the first thing i thought was um cleopatra vibes from the way that they were dressed like there was one model who had like beads in her hair and she had like a veil and it was very like gold but the women were very stylish and like the hats like you could just it was it just screened 80s the way they're walking down and the women wearing it's very formal and there was a bit of velvet in there and but the video came across like, like like you say video started in the 80s more than anything and so you I could tell it was very simple and it probably hadn't had a lot of money put into it but I did like Uh, well liked, that was my favourite song out of them anyway so I did like it and I liked that it's told a a story and I was like following it and I was like what's going to happen next, what's happening with this model who's going to like, is he going to find her? is he just going to see her on this magazine? but yes that's what I thought of the video Um, but there weren't much, much from it like to do with style it just probably more the formal look of it rather than what it was in the 80s but I guess that might be what the catwalks were like if anything there was one song from craftwork that was tour de france that is a long song and i found out it was it's split like on um spotify where i've been listening to them it's split in three but i just listened to all three in one very long and it's not like it's just instrumental so i was just like wh- when is this going to end um but it does show the talent with the instruments or if it did all come from a synthesizer, it shows the like variety and the broadness of what it can do. Um, and some of it's catchy, but some of it's also very repetitive. So it made me want to turn it off sometimes. Like I say, I didn't really go back and listen to it as much as the others. I suppose, I suppose
0: craft work, as I say, they are the pioneers of electro music, synth, synthesizer music. And they actually, with Autobahn, got to number 11 in
1: 1975. So
0: that's not the age? No, so hence why you didn't. I mean, I did get you to listen to it after, um, just, just for you to look at. Now, in 1975, when they got to number 11, this would have been completely futuristic. I mean, other songs that were in the chart at that time ahead of them... At number two was Tammy Wynette, Stand By Your Man. At number three was Shawadi Waddy, Three Steps to Heaven. At number eight was 10cc, I'm Not in Love. And at number 10, just keeping them out of the top 10, was Desmond Decker with The Israelites. Now, if you've listened to those songs, and then you've list- and if you listen to um, Autobahn by Craftwork, which is actually about a german motorway which is what the autobahn is in in the equivalent in germany you would think what's you know i mean i don't know what the people were thinking back then but the fact it got to number 11 showed that synthesizers were something that people wanted or interested in as far as music were went and obviously on the back of that and its success that that's what started others to then come in at the end of the 70s and obviously then for the 80s. And that is why for me quaff work, and not just me, but others, they are the pioneers of electronic. So when you think of um put it into into you know footballers, um people talk about who was the best ever, and that you'll have some people say Diego Maradona, some people say Pele. Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. There'd be other names, but there'd be the main four. If you used to ask for who, who made made you know made the biggest steps in music, you'd probably have you know Elvis Presley, the Beatles, and then depending on whether you're from England or America, obviously you'd have David Bowie and Michael Jackson. For me, craftwork for what they did, they would have to be in that four instead of either Jackson or, or Bowie, and I suppose it would depend on if you're English or American, which one would would, would not be in, in that fall. That is how, how much of an influence quaff work were. Now, did you listen to Computer Love?
1: I did. Very electronic.
0: Yeah. Didn't recognise anything with it, though? No. Okay. What I would suggest is when we finish this, listen to that before any vocals and then listen to Coldplay Talk okay so if you listen to both of those side by side without the vocals you will see the influence that a song from 1978 oh, sorry 1981 had on a song what 14 years later
1: and is that where it's from then they say like is it a well-known thing that Coldplay got it from them?
0: Yes. Okay. Right, so moving on then. I asked you at the beginning who you think was number one. Yeah. It was Kraftwerk. Was it the model? So they released a song in 1978 called Neon Lights. Okay. Which I didn't know. I've only found this out in researching for this. I've got a a cassette from omd called sugar tax from 1991 so you wouldn't have you wouldn't have obviously looked at this because it's 1980s but there was a song on there which i always liked and it was called neon lights didn't know anything of it about it apart from uh, it was obviously an album filler i suppose if you want to call it never released although i thought it was one of the better songs on the album and could have been a hit if they'd released
1: it released it as a single
0: yes so when i was researching Craftwork, and i'll be honest i really only know about the model and computer love i hadn't really looked at their earlier stuff as you say tour de france and all that they're just so instrumental they're very raw they're not they're not the polished articles that we know of the 80s when it went you know later on in the 80s as far as synthesizing as it went it was very raw so i hadn't really listened to it i certainly don't you know, unfortunately I don't own a I literally only know Kraftwerk through the model on compilation tapes because they're a bit before even my time because they're, you know, very early 80s. And as I say, 1975 for Autobahn, 1978 for Neon Lights. And it was only through listening I found out about Neon Lights when I was listening to it, I thought, I recognise this. So looked into it, found out that OMD had covered it on their their, um, album. So it showed the influence that some of their records had. Neon Lights, I mean, it only charted at number 53. It didn't even, you know, after Walter Barner got to number 11, you thought that probably is a better song. It didn't even get, get into the top 40. However, the record producer swapped what was the A side and the B side over. So the model was the original A side, Neon Lights, the B side. They swapped it over and released Neon Lights with the model's as B side. So then when they released Computer Love, the model was the B-side. However, it wasn't doing that well in the charts. So the producers actually reissued the single as a double A against the wishes of Kraftwerk. That reissue as a double A-side got to number one in 1982. So actually, there was two number ones for Kraftwerk. The Model and their B-side or which was the original A-side Computer Love. So on the 6th of February 1982 the Model is number 1 in the UK charts. So out of all the songs you listen to that was the number 1. And it was actually two songs of craftwork in a sense.
1: And for anyone listening that has no idea about A-sides and B-sides of a cassette tape it's like CD1 and CD2. But you have to turn the cassette over.
0: Well, no, it would have been a single then, so it would have been a vinyl back in '82. Oh, to
1: so turn in the vinyl. Okay, but it's the same.
0: Yeah, single charts were mainly. You didn't have singles really on a cassette. That was the album. The actual singles were were vinyl. But
1: the same difference: A side and B side of you, like CD one and CD two, just got a switch over.
0: You still had to turn it over, yeah.
1: Just in case anyone was wondering or going a bit mad, thinking what on earth is he on about.
0: So are you shocked then that. that- was the number one
1: very well not because i did like the model but out of all four that i've listened to craftwork were the ones like i say i didn't want to listen to again because it is so instrumental so it's not as appealing to me like i prefer to sit in my car and sing my heart out couldn't do that with craft work can't sit there doing like the the different sounds of the instruments but then back in the 80s obviously like you say it changed it so it was something new for people to listen to and music was evolving so obviously appealed to people back then but um now for me it didn't appeal to me so i'm shocked in that sense that i didn't like craft work as a whole but When you say they're the pioneers that started it and they brought something new in, it's not that surprising, if you know what I mean. I did like The Model as well, so I agree, in a sense.
0: Good. So, Craftwork, as far as their four songs went, The Model and, obviously, Computer Love as a double A side got to number one in 1981. Tour de France, which isn't on any of their albums, got to number 22 in 1983. And then Showroom Dummies. Uh, got to t- number 25 in 1982 so they all were charted in the top 40 in fact they were just outside the top 20 with the other two okay i just want to read out some comments i saw that other people had made about craft work so someone put no other band since the beatles has given so much to pop culture these guys didn't get enough credit they basically invented electric electronic music every techno hip-hop new wave synthwave, wave etc group afterwards is just a wannabe someone applied correct hundred percent and then someone wrote this and i think this probably sums up because of what i've said about you know omd and simple minds they get credit from the people that matter they are widely recognized as pioneers Who created a monumental shift in how electronic was viewed? So perhaps a naive, casual music listener might not be aware of who they are, but within the music world, within the culture and history of music, they have achieved legendary status and are in the pantheon of iconic activators of change. So no, they are not underrated. I suppose it's more its ignorance towards them because they were very raw i suppose like you say, they they weren't easy listening but you've got to remember we're talking before electronic you know when i mentioned where they were in the charts and the songs of, that were in the charts with them it was totally different you know they're not you know we're talking about the 70s a disco era this wasn't dance music as such it was more uh, listening music so it was ideal for the eighties with headphones and Walkmans, but not so much for your club DJ, here in a, whatever they went to in the in the seventies for the discos.
1: I agree with what people have said about they're the ones that like started the electronic. Like you can tell that through a, through the songs, but it's crazy how they have they changed going from the seventies. Like it's a complete like you say you've got your dance music and then synthesised electronic music, and it's just so different. So I guess everyone was kind of like. Oh, what's this? So definitely changed it. And they obviously did something because a lot of people followed after, like you say.
0: Okay. So before we, mo- so we'll move on to R&D. But as I say, have a listen when we finish this. Cold play talk alongside computer love of work. And when you think that, you know, there's a gap of, what, 14 years between the two songs. They
1: focus on the instrumental and the background music. Obviously, the lyrics aren't going to be anywhere near the same.
0: No, I mean, but just think, you know, the Coldplay members, when Craftwork were at their height, as in then, you know, the model at number one, they would have been around four years old. So they wouldn't have grown up with that music but it still had an influence on them, obviously, as well as it did on others, as I mentioned, OMD. Um, Simple Minds had a covers album of... Um, so
1: a Neon Lights.
0: Yeah, so Jim Kerr, when they released their 2001 cover album called Neon Lights, Jim Kerr said this, We thought it was appropriate at a period of looking back that we got go to the very foundations of Simple Minds. Which of course is the music and the bands who influenced us now on that album they covered neon lights but not only did they cover neon lights the actual album was called neon lights so that's that's you know you can't have a a bigger um accolade than having another album named after one of your songs which wasn't as i say it wasn't even a hit but it was back in 1978 <laughs> So it's still to this day, obviously, you know, as I say, OMD, Simple Minds, and I'm sure there's others that were taken by what craft um, were doing from as early as 1975 with Autobahn.
1: What year is Simple Minds? What decade were they in?
0: They're the 80s and they will be on, that. we will discuss them.
1: Okay. And because I know that like, I've heard of them. So I was like, are they later? Um, and I was just wondering, because Coldplay obviously they're, like you say, 14 years later, I was just wondering whether they'd hit other people after.
0: we we'll move on to OMD. So you had 13 songs of theirs. So much po- more popular than Craftwork i suppose more commercialized is what you could say
1: what did you think of omd uh so they were more upbeat compared to craftwork. still instrumental but a lot more catchy like when it was in in like when i was listening in the car i felt myself like bopping my head to it and i found souvenir that was one i found quite soothing Rather than it being just instrument, instrument, and electronic in your ear kind of thing, it was more calm and it weren't as in your face as the others. Also, what I did find listening to like the different songs. Now, I know like there was a lot, but their voices sounded different from like one to the other. And it made me think is there like, now what do they sound for again? Orchestral.
0: Orchestral maneuvers in the dark.
1: Yeah. So, because of orchestral, that got me thinking, when the voices sounded different, I was like, is there, like, a massive... Is it a massive group of people? And then in different songs, people have different parts, and that's why they sound so different? Or was it because they were still finding themselves? I weren't weren't too sure, but the orchestral part of it got me thinking, orchestra, big, is there loads of people in this group? But I don't know. But, like, locomotion and genetic engineering, I found was more upbeat and maybe, like, more dance so I, th- I think that's why I was drawn to like locomotion was my favourite song. Joan of Arc and Maids of Orleans. When I was watching the videos of them, so at first, like at first, on when I was listening to them and trying to find them, the Maid of Orleans is called Joan of Arc, and then in brackets, Maid of Orleans. So I thought, has Dad put it in a list as two separate songs, and actually they're together. And then I found Joan of Arc by itself. So then. I was like okay are they the same then they didn't sound the same and then when I watched the videos I was like right first of all Joan of Arc quite weird very like fancy dress like like they were going out and it was like those people that like meet up and like do like role play in the middle of a field and um, it was like that and um, but then when I watched the Maid of Orleans one I was like ah is this a lead on then I realised that like, it sounds quite romanticised, so I was like, is it a love story? Is it two songs that link? But I weren't quite sure, because they don't exactly sound similar, so I weren't too sure with that.
0: And I'll be honest, I, I, I was not an OMD hardcore fan. I you know bought their, their Best Of album, but other than the Sugar Tax album, their early stuff, I haven't actually got. As I say, you know, Enola, Enola Gay, as I say, is their signature tune, um, which is on. That's probably the most used on '80s compilations with for OM to represent OMD. I I must admit, I always get muddled up with those two. I remember when I first heard them, I thought they've printed the this the um the track listing wrong because this is made of all leans. The first line is Joan of Arc, so you automatically think that's the Joan of Arc so i guess they are linked
1: yeah and if you like i don't know if you've watched the videos recently they like that it has they are wearing the same thing that like they've got these blue pointed hats like at first i was like they look like numb. or oh, is this some and then you see some person on a horse in this knighthood And I was like, what on earth is going on here? And it like Joan of Arc is very they're just dancing on like a courtyard. And then Made of Orleans is these two people meet in what looks like a bar. But what I did find with them, it's very low light. That goes back to, like you say, videos were made, like this is when they first started being made. So you can tell there weren't much money put into it. Like in nola gay for example, you can tell it's green screened. Like he stood and it's it's only like the sky behind him but you can see like his outline so you can tell there's a green screen or something yeah i did like in enola gay um they're like illuminated graphics i thought that was quite cool considering how early on they we were made to go with the styles of them omd is one that i noticed a lot heavy eyeliner i like their eyeliner like in locomotion when they're all on the steam train like there's just loads of guys with heavy eyeliner and i'm like Okay. And again, it's they're very formally dressed, craftwork I found like in the model, but I guess that was catwalk, but in all of the videos, bar made of Orleans and Joan of Art,
0: they're, they're suited with ties,
1: yeah, like very prim and proper. And some of the guys that like they got perms, and it just very boofy hair. And the children, the only thing about the children in locomotion is they looked like they were Victorian children with what they were wearing. So you've got all the adults in like, Fine clothing, they have got these children running around looking like they come from the Victorian age, in like their little flat caps and braces. And so, I was very shocked to see that. I was like, "That's not eighties, But I did like, I did like a few.
0: Fine. Okay. So regarding OMD, it's mainly two people, Andy McCluskey and Paul Humphreys. Really, but
1: they sound so different, like on every song that I listen to.
0: And they do. So what I Obviously, I, I did watch a few videos just to, to remind me. So, for instance, in Anola Gay, Andy McCluskey is the is the lead singer. And he is mainly is the lead singer, to be honest. He's the one with the hair.
1: But in Anola Gay, it was only him. You didn't have another person.
0: Maybe not in the video, but Paul Humphreys is, is member. it's a synth with their synthesizer.
1: But then I, like, you would just think that everyone would appear in the video. No? Yeah. In Souvenir,
0: Paul Humphreys is the singer.
1: And um, so that, okay, so they take it in turns
0: Because in the video, Andy McCluskey is just driving a car. And, and um, Paul Humphreys is on a balcony singing or whatever, I think, if I remember. So
1: Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, like, he's got floppy hair. But what did you think of electricity? It didn't really stand out to me. No? No, not, uh, no, that, that was a song. Yeah, it didn't stand out to me. It's in the dislike common.
0: No, So I've, I've seen OMD a few times live. Uh, they actually supported a aha once and we've seen them at rewind and electricity is the last song they play and it is i mean live it's brilliant it really is and it's ve- i mean again it's very raw it was their you know early their, their, their first song that they released and it didn't actually chart and that was back in 1980 but i was just wondering how it obviously it didn't make a big impression on you and as i say it didn't chart but That is what they usually play last at their concerts. And it's the only song, probably with Enola Gay, that's played it, that they have continually played at every concert to where they probably change things. That one's always there, probably, as I say, with Enola Gay.
1: I think it's just the ones that are very instrumental that don't really get me. And I think that's just because with what I've grown up with, you've got people that are instrumental, but... They're always featuring someone doing the lyrics. So you never have just a, I don't listen to music. I listen to a song to hear someone sing. So I think the ones that I don't like are the ones that are more, you can hear the electronic synthesizers in it rather than people singing.
0: Yeah. Um, what did you think of, so there was another one that didn't chart, but I gave you it to listen to, If You Leave. Can you remember that one or not?
1: Oh, I like that one. That's in my like, But I can't remember it like Enola Gay or Locomotion. They're the three. Enola Gay, Locomotion and If You Leave are the three that I like from OMD. But I can't remember how it goes.
0: Okay. So If You Leave was recorded. It's a non-album single. And it was recorded for the film Pretty in Pink, which was an 80s film.
1: I do remember it. Now you said Pretty in Pink. I do remember it.
0: Yeah. It only made number 48 in the UK chart, but it actually made number four in the USA Hot 100 chart. It was a bigger hit across the pond, as they say, than it was over here.
1: What nationality are OMD?
0: English. They're from, I think they're from Liverpool.
1: Oh, okay. It's just because I remember you saying Kraftwerk like were German, so I just wondered. Considering they were hitting in USA.
0: Yeah, that was from on the back of this one film. But the, the, there's a story behind it. They wrote that song in 24 hours because their original song, Goddess of Love, which they had wrote for Pretty in Pink, they got asked to change it because after the Pretty in Pink director done a test view, the feedback from the audience was that the um, they didn't like the ending. So the ending ended differently. So I guess the, the if you've watched Pretty in Pink molly obviously sorry not molly andy molly ringwald played her she ended up with john she in the the actual film she ends up with blake blaine something like that she ends up with him andy mccarthy's um character instead of ducky which was john cryer's character I guess in the original one, in, in the, the, the one they'd done first, the ending, she ended up with Ducky, which was John Cryer. But obviously the audience fed back, didn't like that. So the, the, the song that they originally had didn't go with the ending. So they were asked to get another song and they were given 24 hours. So If You Leave was literally wrote, edited within 24 hours. And as I say, in, in America, it got to number four. Over here, it didn't even chart. It did chart, but not in the top 40. It got to number 48. Okay, so that's a bit of bit of info around that, that one song. So regarding the, the, the rest. So Messages in 1980 got to number 13. Enola Gay, also in 1980, that got to number 8. In 1981, Souvenir was their biggest hit at number 3. So that was their biggest hit. So you never, you never mentioned Souvenir. That was their... Their big hit, which is funny enough, the Paul Humphreys where he's he's the singer.
1: See, funny, so I've got a list of my like and dislike just so I can refer to it in case I can't remember the songs. And Souvenir is one that I've written down with a question mark, but I put it in my dislike, but it's got a question mark because, again, I think it is a quite instrumental one, but I'm on the fence about it, basically. It's not one that has stuck with me, but I think when I've listened to it, I must have liked it a bit.
0: Sure so that was their biggest hit then in 81 also you had Joan of Arc that got to number five in 1982 Maids of Orleans got to number four 83 you mentioned it earlier genetic engineering that got to number 20 Locomotion your favorite was released in 1984 that got to number five Uh, Talking Loud and Clear which I, I like that got to that was also released in 1984 that got to number 11 telsa girls also from 1984 that's another song of theirs that has been on a soundtrack a 1980 film called weird science that was on that got to number 21 1985 so in love got to number 27 and then in 1986 their last hit in the 80s and their last one as omd as they were known in the 80s was forever live and die so after that Paul Humphreys actually said, I think on the back of "If You Leave," which was also 1984. So from 1984 downwards, they they become. I suppose Andy McCluskey wanted to become more commercialised. Paul Humphreys didn't. He wanted to stay, you know, the old OMD. So they went their own separate ways. Um, Andy McCluskey kept the name OMD. As I say, in 1991, he released the album "Sugar Tax." Which had "Sailing on the Seven Seas" and Pandora's Box. Both of those were hits, and also, as I say, had neon lights in the al- on the album. So that was him by himself. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he brought some other people in, um, Stuart Kershaw. But otherwise, as far as OMD went, he was the only original that that went his way. And then Paul Humphreys and the original the the drummer and um, someone else the, I suppose a guitar player. They went formed another group, the Listening Pool. And they had an album out in 1994, but nothing really else.
1: So one of them did quite well. Was it Andy that stayed as OMD?
0: Yeah, so Andy, the, the, sing, the, the singer, he he kept the name OMD, which always helps anyway, because you keep the fan base by keeping the name. And he, as I say, he had a, some success with um, Sailing on the Seven Seas and Pandora's Box from the album Sugar Tax. But that was in the 1990s, so obviously you wouldn't i didn't give you those because we're talking 80s um i just want to read out a quote um on omd from the scotsman and they said if craft work were the elvis presley of synth pop then orchestra maneuvers in the dark were its Beatles." and also an american publication the av club they also um published that they noted that McCluskey and Humphreys were often labels labeled as the Lennon McCartney of synth pop so again obviously they were a big influence for people in the early days of the synth pop and the 80s music pop not as big a pioneers as Kraftwerk going by the fact that they covered neon lights they were obviously inspired or influenced by Kraftwerk themselves but they were certainly one of the the forerunners of electric music in the in the eighty period, eighties period. Okay. Now going by groups you know, there is a girl band called Atomic Kitten. Have you heard of
1: them? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Sort of sort of took over, I suppose, from the Spice Girls.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could say that.
0: In that gap. I will just read out about Atomic Kitten. Atomic Kitten are a British pop girl group formed in Liverpool in 1998, whose current members are Natasha Hamilton and Liz McLaren. The group were founded by orchestral manoeuvres in the dark, members Andy McCluskey and Stuart Kershaw. So this was the the group after the, the split. And they served as principal songwriters during Atomic Kitten's early years. And I've looked up that Atomic Kitten had a number one called Hole Again. Yeah, That was written by Andy McCluskey and Stuart Kershaw of OMD. So we're talking about even in 1998, or it was actually 2000, I think the Hole Again was a hit. So we're talking about a hit in the 2000s that was written by musicians from the 1980s. So again, when people your age are saying, oh, I don't like the 80s, they don't realise that they're probably listening to music in, either inspired or even written by musicians, artists from the
1: 1980s. But then saying that, because I listened to Atomic Kitten, great girl group, you wouldn't think... Because I bet you don't know what "hole" again sounds like, but you wouldn't think listening to it, especially now listening to OMD. Like I can say, I've heard both. Like you would not think that that's written by by them, because of the. But then they obviously went with the times and did it because it's not going to be like an electronic thing, because of how music changed in that time. But yeah, you would not. I would not have ever ever guessed that. Crazy.
0: That's the same. As craftworks music being used by Coldplay's talk and if you look at the writing credits on talk, it's been given to some of it has been given to craftwork because they used they're using I mean I'm not into music in a, in a professional sense, so I don't understand the melody hook riff bridge if you want to listen to that then you're you listening to the wrong pod but they used the riff or what well, Whatever you want to call it, the hook of the craftwork, and because they used it, they've got their permission, but they use they credit them in the writing. Okay, so that's two two bands from the eighties. One you you kind of like, as you say. One you, as you said, you you didn't really listen to, but both had an influence still on the music industry in the in the noughties.
1: But then, saying that, I'm not a big Coldplay fan, so craft work whole play i guess it's two that i don't really like
0: okay moving on visage what was your thoughts on visage
1: so there weren't many songs that you'd given me and i did wonder why because there were so many i mean to be fair there weren't many for craft work uh, which not gonna lie i was happy about but there weren't many for visage so there, were, there weren't much for me to listen to and go by, um and I did wonder why there weren't many. And I did remember you saying about what's his name, Major being something to do with Visage and Ultra So, interested about that, and I don't know if that's why, but all I thought about Visage was musical, music based, it was again instrumental focus. they seemed very electronic but then there was a couple that i did like like i did like fade to gray and obviously my favorite one was the damned don't cry mind of a toy i did like as well i can't remember how many you gave me of theirs but there's three that i did like anyway there's not much content in them i don't think and I guess that's me going off a uh, lyrical side of it, which is what I listen for. And when it cu- when it came to any lyrics, they were the vocals were very quiet, which is what I found on Craftwork as well. And I don't know if it's because their main focus was the instruments, and again, was it done on the synthesizer? There was just a lot going on in some of them. But I did watch the Fade to Grey video. And the one thing about that is very heavy makeup. Like, that was all it was about. It was just fading. And I don't know if that was because, like, fade to grey, like, it was going from one. And then it was very colourful and just very heavy. And when I looked at that, I was like, okay, now this is what I think the 80s look like. Like, OMD, when I said there was a lot of heavy eyeliner, that was, like, the start. I was like, okay, yeah, this is what I think when I think of 80s, but then the and Fade to Grey, they just had the heavy makeup and it was almost like I guess, I wanna say like drag, but not. And it's very weird how back then you didn't see drag queens or trans people and then now you do and when you look at how they had their makeup it is very similar very out there very extravagant and that's what i found on fade to gray like i'm very impressed by the talents of the makeup artist i must say but that's all i really got from them There weren't like, but then like i say i think you only gave me like five six songs anyway
0: yeah so funny enough what i've written down to start off with to let you know about visage so regarding i suppose fade to gray as i say that is their signature tune. It's the start of the New Romantics. They were probably the first New Romantic group, along with Human League. They were probably the start of the the the, the styles with the hair and the the makeup and the the, the clothes they wear. Um, so, like you said, with Kraftwerk and OMD suits, ties. You're going to see. The, you're starting to see the change now with what people are wearing. So they're the start of the New Romantics, and that's mainly mainly because of their lead singer Steve Strange. So he was he was known in the music industry because obviously as I say that the 80s are coming out of the disco era so obviously late 70s early 80s there was a lot of underground not not as in underground but you know below the the music pinnacle of this music going on that hadn't obviously got out in the mainstream for the country and he owned a nightclub called I think it was the the blip, and he was very strict on who he let in with how they looked. If you didn't, if you, you know, I suppose if you turned up in a shirt and tie, you wouldn't get in. But if you turned up with your makeup and, you know, outlandish, like, so I uh, think of Boy George, you that that's the sort of people, you know, they get in. Okay. So Steve Strange, who's the lead singer for Visage, was the start, I suppose, the new romantic scene in the 80s. And as you say, yeah, men in makeup. So it's funny you mention that, and obviously realise that in the in the that is Steve Strange and how a, a lot of people were in the eighties or the early eighties, because you had obviously the mods, you had the skin edge, you had the punks, and then you had the, the new romantics, which um obviously grew with regards to the eighties. So regarding regarding Visage, so yeah, you, as you say, there was there was five songs for those um, Fade to Grey mind of a toy visage the damn don't cry and night train okay so they had three albums um they only released three albums and those songs come off of two of them so the other album was you know not not really a commercial success maybe to the hardcore fans it it may have been you know i can i wasn't a a visage hardcore fan They're a bit again a bit before my time it's mainly due to fade to gray as i say it's it's pretty much on all 80s Compilations, definitely the synth electronic 80s compilations. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't on any you picked up. Visage, as we said, Midge Ewer is a member of, of Visage. Now, he was, he'd already had a number one back in the 70s with his first group called Slick. Okay, now he saw that music was changing from what obviously they were. Okay, I think they were like glam rock. And he saw music was changing. So he wanted them to change it didn't quite work out so they were based their their glaswegian group um major is Glas is a is a glaswegian he moved down to london and he joined a a group with the sex Pistols. someone who'd left the sex pistols and met up with him and rusty egan and they formed a band called rich kids again some success i think but nothing didn't change the world with the Guards of music they're not known I don't I don't think they had any major hits when that died a death Randy Egan come up with an idea why don't we put a like a super group get loads of people together and and make a group at the same time in parallel with this was a was a group called Tiger Lily this group again had moderate success and then they changed their name to Ultravox with an exclamation mark again no real success they were known they dropped the exclamation mark they had three albums one which was very commercially um, successful but they never got any hits out of it um, which was Systems of Romance album the lead singer John Fox he left Ultravox And so did the guitarist at the time. On the first two albums, they had Steve Shears, who was, he was then replaced by Robin Simon. And then when John Fox left, Robin Simon left as well. Billy Curry, who was the keyboardist and a violin player, he was asked to join Visage. Well, Rusty Egan was a DJ for Steve Strange. And obviously, I guess when they used to test it, and that Steve Strange probably sang, I I don't know, but... Somehow or other, Rusty Egan said, "Why, you know, I think Steve Strange would be good as our folk, as our lead singer." So he then became their lead, the lead singer. And then someone who played for Gary Newman's backing band when um, uh, Tube Way Army, when they um, went live, they didn't go live, so he had to have another bucking band. Well, Chris Payne was one of these. He then also joined Vizarge. Okay, so does that all make sense? So there's a lot of people come together from other groups to Visage. Okay. And one of them, another one, was a a, um, a guitar player called John I'm not sure if I've got this, Gro McGrock. He's he's well known as a as a leading guitar person in, in that time. And he would come from Magazine, who was another group, I suppose like Ultravox, Rich Kids, hadn't really had much success. He joined Visage and he was actually replaced by Robin Simon, who was in the original Ultravox. So this person left magazine, went to Visage and was replaced by Robin Simon from Ultravox when John Fox left to do his own thing as a solo artist. So there was a lot of moving around, I suppose you could say at the time. So that is how Visage came to be.
1: Yeah, so Visage has a lot of people in it then. So there was me thinking OMD had a lot of people in it. Actually, Visage seemed to have a lot more.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if they're all in it at the same time. I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not, I've just, obviously, what I've researched. I know the story of Rusty Egan, Steve Strange, Billy Curry and Major, where the Chris Payne comes into it from the Gary Newman backing bands and where... John McGrock, McGree, from magazine where they actually join, I don't know, but bearing in mind that Ultravox had split up because obviously, hence Billy Curry coming into Visage, and the fact that Robin Simon replaced John McGrock in magazine, putting the bits together, they were probably in the, uh, the Visage from the, from the beginning. He was definitely there at Faith for Fae to Grey.
1: So, considering there was a lot of people in and out, you've only given me five songs.
0: Yeah, they weren't. They weren't, so now I'm about to explain something else. So I've just explained that Ultravox had pretty much disbanded. The lead singer's gone, their main guitarist has gone, and their keyboard player has joined Visage. So while they're they're obviously playing about sampling things with Visage, that's all they were. It was never meant to be it was a project more than a group. It was never more than that. It was just something that, Major wanted to do while he decided what he was going to do next. Fair to mind, he's already had a number one in Scotland with Slick. He's come down to London. His first band, Rich Kids, hasn't really done anything. He's now doing a project while he decides what to do. While obviously discussing it, I guess, with Rusty Egan, who's his, his, his mate, Rusty Egan said, Well, why don't you reform Ultravox again? You know, because obviously Billy Curry is now with Visage. So they spoke to Billy Curry and then obviously he got the other Ultravox. So the bass player, Chris Cross, and the drummer, Warren Can got them together and Madure, in a sense, replaced two people because he's a guitarist. So he replaced Robin Simon, but he also became the lead vocalist, replacing John Fox. I'll just go through Visage timeline. So in 1980... Fade to Grey got to number eight. So that's their big hit. Mind of a Toy in 1981 got to number 13. Visage, also in 1981, that got to number 21. The Damn Don't Cry, which you said was your favourite, and I also like that one. 1982, that just finished. That was just outside the top 10 at number 11. And then in 1982, also Night Train got to number 12. So they they did have some, some, some good hits there. Um, but when you think there was three albums, and as you say, you know, over a short period of time, they, they had five hits, but nothing further. Because Steve Strange still carried on with Visage, but at the end of the day, he was a nightclub owner. He wasn't a musician, so did he write the songs? He's not credited, although he says he should be. He's actually credited on Fade to Grey as a writer. And so he's the one who's left with the the name Visage. The others, I don't know about Rusty Egan, what happened with him, but obviously Major and Billy Curry, they went off and reformed Ultravox, okay? Now, in 1981, in the charts, Vienna got to number two when Fade to Grey was number eight. The side project was going on while the reformation of Ultravox and re the the new music because as I say, Ultravox up till then hadn't had really had a hit. They'd had a really good album in Systems of Romance, and actually a song from that. So John Fox did have a hit because he wrote Slow Motion, which they re-released in 1981 after Ultravox has obviously had a couple of hits and it done okay, but again, it didn't really it didn't break the top twenty. Um, so ultra so Ultravox sort of re-reformed new image um new lead singer and they actually got to number two with vienna at the same time as major is in the charts and obviously billy curry as well with visage with to gray
1: so what was the side project was Ultravox a side project
0: no 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 visage visage was a side project and wasn't expected to it was literally Probably put out a couple of songs. They weren't expecting the success they had, and they weren't expecting it to to obviously go on as long. Now I don't know when Major actually left, and whether he had anything to do with the other the other hits, uh, especially in like nineteen eighty two, or whether he still was a side project with them. I'm pretty sure he was to do with Mind of a Toy and Visage, but the 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 Anvil, which was the second album with the Damn, Don't Cry and the Night Train, I'm not sure if he was still involved then. Steve Strange obviously definitely was, but by this time Ultravox was obviously now very strong.
1: This um, major guy just sounds like he wanted to make it and he was doing anything to make it. To have like Slick and the other group that you mentioned.
0: Rich kids. Yeah,
1: and then go to Visage and then go to Ultravox. He was doing it. And then weren't he the one that you said? Last week was to do with Band Aid. Yeah. So he was doing anything to be in the music scene by the sounds of it. And he obviously did well. Yeah. And he's
0: also, and um, we won't, we, I mean, this is for series two when we talk about solo singers. He was also, he's had hits, he's had number ones as a soloist.
1: Oh, so yeah, he was doing, uh, I feel like you could do like a whole episode.
0: I mean, the reason I've put Ultravox in at the beginning. And um, talking about Major, he is a very big player as far as the 80s music, you know, Ultravox. I mean, he changed that, that group around. I mean, Vienna, you put it as your favorite song. You said if there's going to be one that's got to number one, it is more than likely going to be Ultravox. And Vienna was the song you picked it out. That is their signature song. That one in 1981, that was Brit Awards Single of the Year. And the song that kept it off was a novelty song. It, how it kept a, a classic. Vienna is probably the song of the 80s. You know, it's got the synthesizers. It's got brilliant video. It's everything about the 80s is in that, is wrapped up in that one song. And it's just a crime that it only got to number two. But then if it had got to number one, would Ultravox have carried on? Because they obviously still had that aim to get to number one. So you could say that if they got a number one straight away, that would would that have energy and what have you, I'm sure it would, but we don't you don't know. Um so in a sense it could have been a blessing in disguise that uh, shut up of your face, kept it off the top spot for four or five weeks.
1: I think you just answered, what was the number one?
0: Yep, it was uh, Joe Dulcey shut up your face and it was just a novelty song and it was number one and kept vienna vienna was number two the whole time i think it was it was either four i think it may have even been five weeks it was number two so what i'll do now is run through Ultravox. now they they had the the most songs so in through the 1980s they had five albums you had 16 top 40 songs that i gave you to listen to so you had in 1980 i think this one you mentioned sleepwalk that was number 29 in 1981 was vienna that got to number two as we say then they re-released slow motion from the album before Majure even joined them that got to number 33 even as a reissue also in 1981 probably my favorite all stood still that got to number eight also in '81, the Thin Wall got to number fourteen. Also in '81, so you can see they released a lot of songs. mature probably realised it. Just while you while you're at the top, just carry on, you know. The voice that got to number sixteen. In 1982, Weep reap the Wild Wind got to number twelve. '82, uh, another good song. Hym got to number eleven. '83, Visions in Blue got to number fifteen. Also in '83, we came to dance, got to number eighteen. 84 one small day, got to number twenty-seven. Also in 1984, dancing with tears in my eyes, got to number three. Um, Also in 1984, lament, got to number twenty-two, and then also in 1984, love's great adventure, got to number twelve, and then in 1986, same old story, got to number thirty-one, and then. Their last big, their last top forty hit um, was all fall down in um, nineteen eighty six at number thirty. Okay, so they, as I say, they released they released a lot of songs uh, in a in a in a small amount of time. So they were giving their fans enough material, I suppose, to make them to keep them popular. They weren't just releasing one and then you get forgotten about it. Because in the 1980s, a lot of music was kept just coming and coming. You know, that's why there's, there were so many groups, I suppose, around then. So I suppose you had to keep your your customers, your listeners up to date with new material. Otherwise, you'd probably just get forgotten about, you know, which may have well happened with, you know, like you say, with Visage. They had three albums, but all their hits were from just from two of them. You know, admittedly, if Major had left, then probably the quality did did go down. I don't know, but yeah, that that certainly um, Visage compared to Ultravox didn't didn't have um, the, the same impact. So that is a review of the the first songs of the eighties, really. So those they four groups were very much a part of the start of the synth pop electronic music that was then to become a mainstay, I suppose, of, of the 80s. So now to ask you then, hit or miss?
1: So, start with craft work. Yep. I can imagine you know my answer, but miss. Yeah. Um, It's just not got too, that much content. It's too instrumental. I don't think it would fit anywhere. Just very electronic. Like I said, well, one that went back to. OMD. I said miss, but. I wrote in my notes. Also, it could be a hit. I like them. Again, I just think some of them are a bit too instrumental. But when you think about some artists now, like David Guetta or Calvin Harris, they're not singers. They're DJs. They produce the music and then they get artists to feature. So I think OMD, if they were to come back, or you know, looking at it, they could feature other artists, and I would probably be more into into them.
0: Sorry, just going back. Don't forget what I've just said. They were behind Atomic Kitten, so in a sense, they already have done that. You just haven't realised.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. But they more wrote their songs than produced music for them. Really, so it is a bit different. Like they're there and they get the credit for it. But song wise, and if I like listening to them or not by themselves, no. If they want to carry, if they want to come back and write more songs for other people. Fantastic, but if they were to come back, or you know, even back then, for me to listen to them, they'd have to feature something else within it. visage I put miss, but more because there's not enough songs and content and variety. That's all that was. And then Ultravox was a hit. We didn't go too much on what I thought of Ultravox as a whole, but like from what I've written down um, in my notes, that they are a lot more current. I'd say compared to the, other, the others. I thought they were very, they're more recognizable with their songs. Like I I actually, when I first listened to Vienna, it started and I was like, well, okay. And then it got to the chorus and I was like, I've heard this. And now I find myself singing it. Their videos, I found, they were very more laid back. So they were high trousers up to their armpits. And I noticed they were very casual. They like jumpers and funky jumpers is what I thought of them. And they also look very young. But yeah, they were they look more 80s from what I know. um, A bit like Visage with the makeup. But then the other side of that with it, like the dress sense, that's more what I know. Like a bit of beige trousers up to your armpits and like jumpers that have got like patterns on them. That's what I thought of them. But yeah, they were the hit and I wouldn't be embarrassed putting them on in front of people now
0: so you, you'd be happy to introduce people to ultravox yeah definitely so out of four out of four artists we've we've had a hit with with one yeah which isn't bad because we are talking early 80s here so you know the music has definitely changed in in that t- in the time i've i've tried to um make a uh a stance for craft work. They were the pioneers. I've explained about Coldplay. I've explained that other 80s were very inspired by them. But I get they were very raw. Um, they were more the electronic side, um, hence the pioneers for the electronics, more than obviously being musicians as you know, in in as a pop song of or you know, that sort of thing. So I get i I'm shocked you didn't like OMD. I would have probably said that. Maybe visage and craftwork were a miss, but I'd have probably put money on OMD and Ultravox. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that um, OMD weren't, because but they, I, I can see that their their songs are very similar. So if you weren't completely hooked on a, on Anola Gay or Souvenir, I mean Souvenir was their big hit, and you've got that as a dislike.
1: On the fence. On the fence.
0: So yeah. So I I can. Sort of understand it. If you'd if you'd liked one of their songs, you'd have probably liked all of them more so than obviously not. So yeah, I get that. Ultravox. I totally understand. Just out of interest, how many of their songs did you not like? Ultravox. Yes, um
1: seven and out and nine alike. So that's still quite a high number out of the sixteen. But there were some of them like all fall down. Probably could go over. It was like th- this. Like and dislike is more me listening to it
0: a couple. Obviously, times. you've only had a week to listen, and I suppose if you had more time, you'd put they'd probably grow on you. So I I understand that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but like the ones that I liked, they are ones like not going to lie. I have played Sleepwalk, Vienna, Slow Motion, Dancing with Tears in My Eyes
0: more. And I, and I suppose at the end of the day, we're we're looking at who stood the test of time. So. The the main thing is the song that, for me, is the 80s, which is Vienna. Even though it never got to number one, which is a crime, really. And, and uh, shameful for those that, that bought records back then and bought Shut Up your Face. The fact that you still like Vienna, you thought that would be the number one, I think proves that Ultravox, and more so that that single... Has stood the test of time for what 30 odd years now, then 40 years
1: like they are, yeah, they've definitely stood the test of time. Like I say, I would play it when we're allowed to socialize, I would play it in front of people, and I'm not ashamed to play it in my kitchen while I'm doing my chores. So, yeah, they are definitely ones that have stood and I will listen to and probably carry on listening to. Great,
0: okay we'll wrap up that episode there then and i will now reveal next week's or this week's artists for you to listen to um it is still the same kind of music unfortunately i will change it next for the for the next one um so we're still looking at the the synth pop and it's still early 80s and i think that the reason i've done that is i think these artists that i'm giving you probably had the same kind of influence on that early synth pop era as the four i've just given you so the ones are buggles gary newman and the tubeway army and joy division stroke new order so first of all
1: have you heard of any of those yeah now we'll go back to what i said last week sound made up especially but that sounds like that could be like a tv show or just a sound that people make but okay i will i mean i'm gonna give it a go i've got to give it a go we'll see but yeah none of them
0: okay well we'll see if by the end of it um after you've listened to them whether um they are a hit or a miss come next week they might surprise me yeah you've surprised me this week at least um introduced you to some songs if not the artists themselves that you may put on whatever however it is you listen to music these days you might now listen to those those four artists remember to uh, have a listen to craftworks computer love against talk by coldplay And also have a listen to Joe Dolce's Shut Up Your Face to see what a travesty it was that Vienna never got to number one. On that note, I will say goodbye and um, we'll speak again next week.
1: Yeah, have a good week, Dad.
0: You too. Bye.
1: Bye.